just thinking, how good is God? You know, it's, it's often something that as life just goes by and it tends to go by day by day, doesn't it? It's, life's always happening. It's just so easy to, to forget just how, how good God really, truly, truly is. And especially when trials and storms and that kind of thing, things come along. Again, it's easy just to take our, take our eyes off the Creator. Um, uh, Jesus had um, told us to, to keep our, our eyes fixed on Him, the author and perfecter of our faith. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we can get through those seasons in time where it's just really hard and we come, become preoccupied with the, uh, the stuff that's happening, uh, the stuff that's not necessarily good. But sometimes also the good stuff can just be incredible. And um, you know, today I just want to mention one little good thing that's happened. And John and Wendy, you're grandparents, I understand. <laughs> so <coughs> Josh and Carmel had a, a little boy. When, when did they have a little boy? About 3 a.m. Saturday morning. Fantastic. So uh, Carmel's well? Josh, is he well? Oh, that's good. That's, that's a really big one. That, that's awesome. You know, we, we, that's another praise point, isn't it? Just for the new life which God brings along. And it's so easy just to, to, uh, to see life just drifting by and not realise that there's so much to praise God for. There's, there's just so much every day. And, you know, most, or some of you know that I had a, a major stroke. It was 14 years ago now. And, you know, it could have easily just killed me, taken me out and had another one a few years after that. And I forget, I forget... To, to praise God every day for the fact that I'm still drawing breath and my brain's at least semi-functional, I think, anyway. So, but isn't God good? And um, uh, I just encourage you to remember the blessings, the, the untold blessings that we have uh, because of him. Now, uh, I understand that Jono uh, did a great message last week as he began uh, the series on resilience. Uh, unfortunately, I was on the mainland at another church, so... I missed out on it. And Jono's up in Queensland doing the Eli program at the moment. By the way, the Eli program, Eli stands for Emerging Leaders Initiative uh, that we've got. It's a two-year coaching program, a leadership and ministry coaching program that we run nationally through, uh, through A2A. Brilliant program. And so he'll be having a wow of a time up there. But his message last week, um, what were the main takeaways that you got out of that? Anyone? Resilience comes from practice. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. What else? I don't know, are we? <laughs> That's a good, a good point. Are we going to protect or prepare our kids? Yeah. Anything else? Whatever else it was, I'm sure it was really good. Anyway, so today we're going to continue with a series. And, and, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was that life is never a smooth road. Uh, have you ever noticed that? Um, and now I saw this on Facebook, and I reposted it, so someone, some of you have already seen it. But because it was on Facebook, we know it's 100% true, right? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so it's accurate. And this, is, this talks a bit about the journey that we actually go on, where we expect to go from point A to point B. But who here has ever found that life's not like that? Uh, there are ups and downs. And you know what? Those ups and downs, guess what they take? They take resilience so that we can actually get through them. Because those ups and downs test whether we're going to become an overcomer or a succumber, whether we're going to overcome the ups and downs in life uh, or whether we're going to succumb to them and get knocked, knocked flat. And really, this whole thing of resilience, when you think about it, it's actually a test of emotional maturity. 
It tests how emotionally formed and mature we actually are. Uh, you see, life frequently involves struggles. That's what this, this little chart up here is really showing us. And anyone who's been married for a while knows uh, there are times when it's not necessarily easy and, and you have to be resilient. Is that right? Everyone is too scared to say yes because your husband or your wife is sitting next to you. That's what I reckon. Yeah, yes, Jeff. Who said that? <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Good on you. <laughs> I'll protect you from that vicious Sarah later, okay? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, also when you, you're going through doing your study, uh, I remember when I, I did my accounting, accounting degree back last century. It doesn't sound that long ago, does it? Um, but there was a particular time uh, there when it was just so hard and most people dropped out of the, uh, the class and um, uh, I remember when I did my professional year for the Institute of Chartered Accountants, it was really, really hard and I think one th nationally one third of people who did it that year had marriage breakdowns that year, of those that were married, uh, because of the hardness. Now, whatever area of life that we're involved, the hard times will come. Sometimes we, we, you know, we want God to like beam me up, Scotty, and just get me out of here. Uh, but that's not God's solution. God's solution is to strengthen us, and that muscle that Jono was talking about will strengthen us to help us get through, uh, develop resilience so we can get through the hard times. In fact, you know, to be successful in any sphere of life requires resilience. Now, I recently interviewed Toby. Toby, put your hand up. Yeah, that's, that's Toby, and he, uh, you saw him interviewed two weeks ago after he got baptised. But Toby and another friend, Brad, went, have been through the most incredible journey in entrepreneurship and business over uh, some years. And uh, the resilience that both of them shown was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and um, uh, I don't know how you guys actually hung in there, to be honest. Uh, but if you w want to listen to, to Toby's journey, I interviewed him on podcast, and, and uh, so I'll put that in our community group later and so you can listen to a bit about the entrepreneurial journey that he actually had. But it was an incredible journey. But, you know, a lot of people would have quit partway, partway along. A lot of people quit relationships partway along because they don't have the resilience to actually work through the issues and to hang in there, come what may. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, through this series, instead of talking about how to fight against circumstances, we want to talk about... Uh, we want to help you learn how to fight for resilience. You understand the difference? You know, when we fight against circumstances, sometimes we've got no control over circumstances and it's going to happen. It's like the weather. Uh, we can fight against it being cold at the moment, but, hey, I don't think it's going to make much difference. And so the, the better solution is to actually to, fight for, uh, to learn how to fight for resilience. And as Jono said, building resilience is like strengthening the muscle. And uh, the more you work at it, the stronger you become. But today there's one specific issue that we want to address and to help you develop re resilience in so that you won't be knocked flat, so you won't be knocked down by this one thing that comes to all of us multiple times throughout our life. And that's rejection. Now I want you to think for a second, have you ever been knocked flat by rejection? I think if you've got a pulse, you'd say that you have. And sometimes when it's by people close to us, uh, it can be just so painful. Even when it's by people who aren't close to us, it can still be so painful. But rejection isn't just a thing that we have had to suffer. It's actually something that Jesus had to suffer as well. Now, about 700 years before Jesus came to earth, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about Jesus and about his coming 
<coughs> and he said this, he said, and talking about projecting his voice into the future, he said, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like the one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low self-esteem. Friends, just a hint. If you're having a baby, they, these are not good words to speak over your baby, okay? Uh, <laughs> but it's not anything that anyone wants to be said over them about their life. Despised and rejected. Woohoo! Let's go. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to walk into this life. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but that's what it was said over, over Jesus. And this prophecy came true. And rejection was something that accompanied Jesus throughout a period of his life that was recorded in the four biographies uh, that were written about him. The four biographies being Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the four Gospels in the New Testament. In fact, when Jesus was with those closest to him, he start, started to speak about what was to come in the, the coming times. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, he, it records what he said. He said, it says, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and what? And be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. In other words, the most influential people of the day were going to reject him. Oh, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Well, now that's pretty heavy. That's really heavy stuff. He knew that he was living a life of rejection. How did he keep it emotionally all together, knowing that was the case? Well, he, he knew that he had so many trials in front of him and he needed incredible resilience uh, to get through these trials, being rejected by some of these really important and influential people of the day. Now, many years later, the Apostle Peter um, wrote in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, uh, how uh, Jesus was rejected by humans. So we had Jesus talking about how he was going to be rejected. And then we, later on, Peter wrote about how Jesus was rejected. And who could forget how Peter, even Peter, his mate, denied him three times, in a way rejecting him three times on that night uh, before he was crucified when Jesus was all alone. And Peter denied him. And who could forget? One of his close ones, one of his besties, Judas, one of the twelve, he betrayed Jesus' life. He rejected Jesus in favour of the, the money that he was offered. How did he get through times like this? How? Now, a question I want her to raise is, why does the Bible make such a deal, a big deal about rejection? the rejection that Jesus faced. And I think, friends, it's because God knows that each and every one of us is going to face rejection multiple times over the course of our life. But also God wants us to understand that there's a way that we can actually develop resilience so that we can be an overcomer and not a succumber to the rejection that we actually face. So let's look at a key passage now. And <clears throat> this passage... It describes a time when Jesus was just first appearing publicly. And as far as we know, at this time, Jesus hadn't begun really teaching uh, to the crowds. He hadn't 
performed any incredible miracles. He hadn't healed the sick. He hadn't cast out the demons. So he hadn't done anything that was incredibly newsworthy at this particular point in time. And yet, there was something amazing that happened to him. You see, Jesus went down to the Jordan River to where John the Baptist was baptising. And Jesus insisted that he too needed to be baptised. And so as John the Baptist was baptising, it was like the heavens opened and and the Holy Spirit came down alighting uh, like a dove. And then there was this voice from heaven. And the voice from heaven said this, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Wow. See, in that moment, God the Father imparted identity to Jesus, his son. Now, all of the dads here, and all of the dads to be here, I want you to realise and understand something here, that one of your most important roles in fatherhood is to impart identity to your kids. And whether you like it or not, you are going to impart identity to your kids. And perhaps it's going to be a bad identity, the fact that they're worthless. Perhaps that's an identity that they're only worthy of bad things happening to them. Or perhaps you can speak life and identity and truth and blessings into them, like what God the Father did to his son Jesus. And friends, humanly, I tell you, when a father speaks life and speaks blessing and speaks identity into their children, even if they're adult children, this is just one of the most critical life-forming things that can happen. The mums are particularly strong at nurturing the children, but the fathers have an important role in speaking identity into your children. So, friends, even if your your children are adults, and if you're a father, speak identity into them. Speak blessings into them. Encourage them daily, as long as it's called today. So, Jesus received this identity from his father, At this point of time, notice that at this stage, Jesus hadn't done anything to actually earn that, other than perhaps by being a good son. As I said, he hadn't done the miracles or the amazing teaching. He hasn't wowed the crowds. There was so much that he hadn't yet done. And yet, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Because the identity wasn't based on a performance test. Identity is not based on a performance test. So this is the truth from heaven that Jesus came, heard and came to embrace. And no matter how much he was rejected over the coming three years, no matter what others said about him, he had this truth to hold on to. And I wouldn't be surprised as as we read through the Gospels, there are so many occasions when Jesus went off and he found a quiet place away from the crowds. I wonder how, how much that was to actually recall and receive again what his father had said to him and to draw it into his spirit and to see his identity being formed in a way that was not going to be compromised by all the noise of the world and what everyone was saying around. Friends, rejection comes to us in many forms. You know, there can be a child who's not invited to the party and sees all the friends going along. Or it could be an adult not being invited to the party and seeing all the friends going along and saying, why wasn't I included? And under, underneath that, that observation or that question really is that question is, aren't I worthwhile enough? And it comes back to that whole thing of the identity. Or perhaps not being selected for a sports team 
or not being part of the play that you actually tried out for or perhaps not getting that job that you applied for or perhaps being sacked from your job or perhaps that's from losing a client and you feel the rejection you feel the rejection because underlying that we're thinking am i not good enough am i not good enough and that rejection is not just about our performance but it goes right to the core of who we are doesn't it now some people are, are so insecure in by our identity that they even search for rejection they anticipate that they're going to get rejected and so they search for it instead and, and they develop filters uh, that will enable them to interpret words or actions of others as rejection. Now, I remember some years ago talking to, to a person uh, who was actually a, a pastor and um, I, I raised the question about, I never hear what you're doing in your, your ministry work anymore. And they, they told me something which astounded me. They said that, no, because last time I talked about their work, they saw my old eyes roll. Now, I don't know if you know me well enough, or very well enough, but I do not roll eyes. In fact, I'm not even that coordinated enough <laughs> to roll my eyes, I don't think. You know, I do twitch from time to time. <laughs> and I reckon, and I'm, I wouldn't roll my eyes at someone's comment like that anyway. And they interpreted what was probably a, a twitch or something like that. Uh, as an eye roll, as rejection, and so they ran and hide. How often would we do that? Where we fear that rejection, and perhaps we're like Adam and Eve in the garden, and we'd done something wrong, we knew that we weren't worthy, we'd come to receive that, and we went and hide, and we hide from God. God doesn't want us to be like that. He can see who we are. We need to put down those, those uh, filters. And some others will build up walls uh, that they hide behind sometimes, pushing others away, stopping others getting too close. Or s and they do this in case they're rejected, in case uh, I get close or we get close and we see what they really like or see something that we don't like. And so then their, their fear of rejection becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy they pull back from others and they see the distance that's grown and they assume that others have pulled back from them when it's not necessarily the case. So rejection can come in many forms but it always attacks our identity, always. It tells us that we aren't good enough, we aren't worthy of being loved or accepted. <coughs> now, I've come to realise that I grew up with a fear of rejection um, that I wouldn't be good enough. And so I'd shield myself from, from places where I might, might be rejected. Um, I shielded myself so that um, I wasn't in positions where I mightn't be accepted or included. So, you know, this came out in so many different ways. Like uh, some of you have heard that when I went through, did my accounting degree back then, you know, I was too nervous even to, start, uh, to stand in uh, a small group of people, a dozen people, and to give a presentation without getting severe stomach upset. I think that was all about the fear of rejection, about am I really worthwhile or not. Um, as a teenager, uh, I was too timid to ask uh, girls out because what happens if they rejected me? Then in my 20s, it was, it was funny because I got the courage, summons up the courage to, uh, to ring Sharon, who I'd met and uh, to invite her out. 
fearing rejection. What was her response? I'm not sure. I'll have to get back to you. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron, for being such a great encourager. (laughs) As a teenager, I learnt learnt the the trick. I learnt the trick. Instead of me actually inviting girls out, I could just wait here and wait for them to invite me out. I was very lonely as a teenager. (laughs) But, you know, we we learn... um, we learn these mechanisms to try and protect ourselves. Now, I think I've done a lot to overcome um, that fear of rejection as, I, as I've grown and gone through the years. But, you know, these, these fears that we have, are still there, the seeds are still there. Um, most of you know I'm president of the movement of churches that we belong to, and I'm coming up to the end of my four-year tenure there. And um, so the question is whether uh, they want me for a second four-year tenure and whether I want to be there for a second four-year tenure or whatever. And so I suggested to our board that they actually do a, um, a 360 degree evaluation of my performance as president. You know what a 360 is? It means where everyone gets a say. And so um, that was cool. I delegated that to the vice president, Carl, to go actually go and do. All cool. <coughs> and then <coughs> about a week ago, I got an email from Carl saying, uh, Tim, um, I, myself and um, another of our, our board members would like to meet with me separate to the board meeting next week. And so then I couldn't help but have a sense of anxiety, even though I was confident in what I'd done. There was a sense of anxiety that rose for a little while. And then I thought, put it out of your mind, Tim. Um, overcome it. And um, uh, so, again, it was that, that fear, of, I think, of not measuring up, that fear of rejection, fear of not being good enough, that type of thing. As it was, the, the surveys came through, results and all of that. You know, I think there was something like 60 or 70 questions that they had to fill out. And um, it came through very strongly, very, very positively. Um, but even then, with the quantitative, uh, sorry, qualitative questions where people, uh, you know, are asked, what, could, what doesn't Tim do quite right or, or whatever? You know, that's what grabs my attention rather than all the good things. Uh, you know, the near-perfect score in other areas. I'm, I'm looking at, 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 at what, you know, <laughs> what? Because when we fear rejection, we're looking at the gap. We're not looking at who we are we're looking at the gap of who we're not. And we need to develop that resilience so that that does not knock us flat. Can anyone relate to this? Yeah, I think most of us can. Well, here's the truth I want you to hear, and that is you don't have to be wrecked by rejection. You want to say that after me? I don't have to be wrecked by rejection. Say it again. I don't have to be wrecked by rejection. I want you to understand that. There is a truth in that and we have a choice in that. You see, having a healthy identity that will build resilience against rejection requires us to to look to hear what the Father says to you. Not what other people are saying, but what the Father says to you. John 1.12, a verse that we touch on from time to time, it talks about our identity. It says that, um, yet to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, And to those who believed in his name, in the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. So what does this say about our identity? If we have believed in Jesus and received him as Lord, what does that say about our identity? It says that we are children of God, friends. Men, women, we are children of God. You are sons and daughters of God. That is your identity. 
It doesn't matter what the world is saying to you. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Does that change your perception as to who you are? If we really know and understand that we're part of his family, part of the family of Jesus on the face of this earth. And just as Jesus held on to to being the Father's son, we also have a pathway here in becoming his sons and daughters that we need to hold on to. We need to accept and receive. You see, Scripture says so much beautifully about us. Did you know that we are God's masterpieces? We are his workmanship. Did you know that we are beautifully and wonderfully made? Did you know that he's created us for a purpose? Did you know that he loves us more than we could ever imagine or understand? Did you know that he is our daddy in heaven? Did you know these things? Later in his ministry, as important and influential people again accused Jesus of, of all kinds of things, including being basically dynamically possessed and controlling demons to cast out demons. I mean, how crazy is that? How much, how, how insulting is that? Oh, but Jesus held on to these words. You are my son who I love, your dearly beloved. My son in whom I am well pleased. The world can be shouting out all of these things at you, but what Jesus is saying, what the Father is saying from heaven is what is truly, truly important. Like Jesus, we must learn to develop selective hearing, magnifying the voice of God and minimizing the voice of others, particularly those not close to us. And like many church leaders over the years, uh, Sharon and I have received anonymous letters kindly telling us what is wrong with us and, and what we do. That's very kind and um, uh, anonymous letters. That's very courageous, isn't it? We have developed a mechanism for dealing with such letters and it involves a rubbish bin. <laughs> okay? Well, the, the Apostle Paul, I think he also had developed a similar mechanism in, in 1 Corinthians 4.3. Those of you that were following the reading plan, it was in yesterday's readings, but he said, I care very little if I'm judged by you, buddy, (laughs) the buddy is my emphasis added, uh, or by any human court. And get this, he said, indeed, I do not even judge myself. And so that's what we often do. When someone judges us and brings about an identity, tries to impart an identity into us which is not helpful, and we take on that seeds of that identity We bring judgment on ourselves and that is not helpful. That's not to say we shouldn't have a realistic estimate of ourselves. Of course we should. But, you know, taking someone else's condemnation and allowing the seeds of that to come into our identity is like drinking poison and it has that same effect on our identity and we must ensure that we don't do it. What we can do is listen to those close to you who have, who have your best interests at heart, not those who have an axe to grind. And I'll tell you, there are only a small number of people who have the right to tell me who I am. And that should be the, the same for all of us. But we need to develop that resilient muscle, that rejection muscle to reject the words which aren't true, which other people might want to place into us as well. Now, here are two big statements that I want you to ponder. Very quickly. <clears throat> Resilience is the ability to redirect your response to rejection. Resilience 
is the ability to redirect your response to rejection. You see, rejection will come. And if we don't have resilience, we won't be able to re re redirect that. But if we do have resilience, well, the rejection won't stay in us. We can actually, to an extent, become ha have our identities becoming bulletproof so that we can actually overcome. And then the other statement, redirection, sorry, rejection wants to wreck you. But God wants to establish resilience in you. Did you get that? Rejection wants to wreck you. But God wants to establish resilience in you. Now, really quickly, I'm just going to go through these as bullet points quickly. I want to give you five quick tips on how to build her resilience through rejection. The first is be honest about how rejection feels. It's no good denying your feelings. Um, if it hurts, say it hurts. Now, our pain actually has a useful, uh, a useful element to it. It's a bit like a child that goes to pick up something, but it's too hot. What will the child do? Hopefully, pull, pull the hand back straight away. And you learn from that, that pain. You learn, and that's what pain does. Our hurts educate us, uh, for example, on what we don't want. So allow our hurts to educate us. The second point, be kind to yourself. Did you know that often we find it easier to be kind to other people? Um, often we find it easier to extend, extend grace to, to others. Why can't we do the same to ourselves? Sometimes we need to practice that and to remember that, to be kind to ourselves so we just don't go and beat ourselves up. There's no need for me to beat myself up. There's a whole bunch of people who are willing to do that for me. <laughs> okay? Point three, learn from whatever rejection teaches you. Now, respond by learning, not taking it to heart, but by learning, not by ignoring it. For example, if you lost your job or if you keep on losing clients, perhaps there are lessons in that that you actually need to learn. Learn from what rejection teaches you. Refuse to let the result define you. Now, we need to realise that you aren't a failure just because things don't work out. Uh, remember that the father said that Jesus was his son whom he loved. And that was before Jesus had started doing the spectacular, the things that he became known for. Our identity is not a performance test. I understand that. Our identity is not a performance test. So we need to refuse to let the results define us. And then embrace who God says you are. If you've believed in Jesus and received him as Lord, you are his son or daughter and he loves you. <clears throat> now, let me just pause here for a second. If you haven't received Jesus as, as your Lord, if, and that, that steps here, go back to John chapter 1, verse 12. If we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that's the first step. He says he's God come to earth in human form. Well, that's not enough just to believe um, because even Satan believes that Jesus is who he said he is, but Satan is in rebellion to Jesus. So Satan is not a Christian. Is that news for you? I just wanted to get absolutely clear here. But the thing that Satan hasn't done is, is actually received Jesus as his Lord. Now, we become a Christian. Um, that's just Satan ringing just there, I think. <laughs> <coughs> interrupting the circus, the service, service, not circus. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, now for the next trick. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I juggled my time. I don't know if I can juggle juggles. Oh, shut up. (coughs) Holly, next time I call, I want you to take it and say, would you shut up? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, Where was I? So it's about receiving. Once we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, receiving him as Lord. And that's what makes us a Christian because we actually say, Jesus, my life is in your hands now. And that's when we step into God's kingdom. Until such time, we're actually outside still of God's kingdom. It takes a conscious decision, doesn't it, to actually to, to submit, to surrender and say, hey, God, I want to be part of your family. I want to be part of your party. And so if you haven't taken that step, can I encourage you to do that now? I'm just going to pause for a second and give you the chance to silently pray, just asking for Jesus to come into your life as your Lord and your Saviour. So if you've taken that step, you've come into his family and you're a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. The Lord, the God of the universe is your daddy. Isn't that an incredible thought? And you know, as we do this, we come to realise that there is nothing, nothing at all that can separate us from his love. The identity that people will often want to give us is that we're not worthwhile. That is not the identity that God gives us. In Romans chapter 8, just listen to these beautiful words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or dangerous sword? No, in all of these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And friends, that is a promise for all who come into his family. All of his daughters, all of his sons, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how tough life gets, That is his promise to you because that's the reflection of how much God truly does love you. Now, in coming to the end of today's message, earlier on I mentioned 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 4. I didn't put it up on the screen, um, but it's, it's said that Jesus will be rejected by humans. But I didn't finish that verse. Uh, I want to now show you the rest of that verse uh, just now. And it says... <coughs> As you come to him, that's Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. (coughs) Friends, it's like there's a continuum. Out on one side here, there's rejected by humans. It's the identity that, that people who aren't always kind to you want to give to you. You failed. You're not measuring up. Did you do that? Really? Duh. That kind of identity. And on the other kind, end of a continuum, is this identity that God wants to give to us. That you are chosen by God and precious to him. Did you know that you are chosen by God and that you are precious to him? Did you know that you are chosen by God and precious to him? Did you know that you are chosen by God 
and precious to him. So which identity are you going to choose? Which identity are you going to really take to heart and to embrace and to absorb into your being so that you understand who you are in God's eyes? Because, friends, if we want to develop the resilience to overcome rejection, we need to know who we are. It comes down to a question of identity more than anything else. More than anything else. It's about our identity. And what God says about you is true. Your identity that he gives you is true. No matter what others say, no matter what the circumstances say, no matter what you tell yourself, you are God's dearly beloved child, chosen by God and precious to him. Can, can we just say this? The bit in the red, but we'll say, but I am chosen by God and precious to him. Let's all say that. But I am chosen by God and precious to him. Again, this time I want you to sound as if you really truly mean it. But I am chosen by God and precious to him. And just one more time. But I am chosen by God and precious to him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? In your hearts, I encourage you to, to know that it's true, to know the truth of this and to believe this. Kate, you can come up if you like. You don't have to stand in the wings there, being unnoticed. Now, if <coughs> just... In a moment, we're going to go to community, but com communion. <laughs> okay, don't say anything nasty about me, right? Because I am chosen by God and precious to Him, even if I do get my words mixed up at times. Um, but there are three points I want to finish on, which I think are really critical, and these I want you to take and take away. It'll only take a second to go through these, but these are things that you can actually to talk to God about time and time and time again to strengthen yourself. If you want to establish the identity that will build resilience and overcome rejection, these are the three decisions that I want you to make. First of all, reject. Reject the identity that comes from rejection. That you're not good enough. That's the lies from hell that we hear every day. That's the lies from hell which is so easy to come, in, come across. We reject the words that have been spro spoken over you and have gone into your spirit. I want you to just, uh, just say now, I reject these words in the name of Jesus. I reject them. I reject these words that I'm not good enough. I reject the identity that, that others have given me, which is a lie of Satan. I reject it in Jesus' name. Now, friends, as part of that, you also have to come to forgive those who've spoken over you too because it doesn't actually work, I don't believe, of rejecting the words unless you actually sever the links with the rejecter. And the way you sever the links with the rejecter is actually by coming to the point of forgiving those that have hurt you. If you don't forgive, there's always going to be that, that bond that's actually in place. So reject. The next thing is repent. Repent of accepting the identity that others who have rejected you have given you. Claim God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. Repent means to confess. You see, when we take, um, and to turn around, when we take on an identity that is not the identity that God has for us, 
we've got to do a U-turn. We've got to say, that's, that's wrong. I need to get rid of that. That's repenting. And indeed, I need to embrace the identity that God actually has for me. And then the third point is receive. Receive the identity that God gives you. You see, Jesus died on the cross so that you could have a new identity as part of his family. God says to you, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love. You are chosen by God and precious to him. You are his workmanship, his masterpiece. You're his prized possession. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. He is yours for all eternity. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of from, from his love, the love that is in Christ Jesus. There is nothing. This is where we find the safety to, to blossom in this identity that he has for us. We are his child. We are part of his family. Friends, in a second, we're going to take communion. And I invite you to come up and take of the emblems, have them there or take them back to your seat or whatever. But as you, as you take of the bread, which represents the body of Christ that was broken for us as he died on the cross, as you take the juice, which represents the, the blood that was spilled for us as he died on the cross, we receive the sacrifice that he made for us that made us possible to have this new identity. Behold, the older has gone, the new has come. We are new creations. We are his sons and we are his daughters. And so as you take of a communion emblem, I encourage you to, to breathe in this new identity. Be thankful for who, who he has created you to be. Be thankful for the identity that he has for you. And receive this identity as you've received the sacrifice that he made on the cross with thankfulness. Father, we thank you that you love us more than we could imagine or understand. We thank you for who you are and we thank you for who you've made us to be. Even though our identity has got tainted by sin, we thank you that in you we're a new creation. We thank you for the beauty of that and the blessings of that. So Father, as we come to take communion, Lord, let us really truly embrace the new identity that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Friends, please come and take communion and then I'm going to finish off in a moment after the communion. Isn't God good? And don't you love the words of that song? It's about our identity says so much about our identity in the moment we're just going to, to sing and sing that song. I want you just to really lift your voices up and to claim the identity that Jesus has for us.
want to finish on one last verse. It's in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. It won't be on the screen. And it says that you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, which literally means Daddy. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Today, as we close the service, I want to pray for people who want, would like me to lay hands on and pray for people. I want to pray that this Holy Spirit will come upon you and will affirm in you, in, in power, who you are, that you're a child of God. That God is your, your daddy. And that the Holy Spirit is here to strengthen you, to enliven you, to enlighten you bring you revelation and understanding to bring peace and joy and to affirm the identity that we have in Christ Jesus so as we, we sing this last song with great gusto on my dad I encourage anyone who wants prayer come forward and I'll be delighted to pray for you today I changed my mind I'm going to pray also for everyone as well Yeah, I know, I know. Doesn't Kate team do a great job? Uh, absolutely amazing. Although obviously their timing is a little bit off at times. <laughs> so Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are and through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you fall upon everyone here, that you saturate us all in your presence, that you, we bind the identity that has not been given to you. We bind it in the mighty name of Jesus and we release the identity of sonship and daughtership uh, that you have given to us. We release the identity of being preciously loved sons and daughters of the Lord God Most High. Lord God, that, God, that you'll take that into each and every person's spirit so that they will know to the end of their days who they are in you. Father God, we proclaim your blessings in Jesus' mighty name on everyone here. Be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray.